Ooh, that dramatic music. That'll wake you up on a Tuesday morning. Depending upon your perspective, you wake up full of fire and energy and ready to go. Well, if you're like me, that never happens until after you have coffee. Um, (laughs) But let's just say for the sake of argument, you've had your coffee and you hear that music and your team is still alive in the playoffs and you are fired up and ready to go. But we are down to a final four. I would also tack on this. If you're a Jaguars fan, your future, your tone is anticipation and excitement. How many times did Trevor Lawrence use the word excitement in his exit interview on Monday? There's hope now. They can't wait to get started in the spring. Even the Giants. How many times I've heard Giants fans say over the past couple of days, we weren't even supposed to be here. This was more than I expected for my team this season. This is why you often will hear human beings. Now, it's a certain personality. It's a little bit like the the cup half full or cup half empty argument. Depending upon the type of human you are, how often will you get people to say, hey, if you lower your expectations, you won't be disappointed. That applies here. I have some friends like that. But see, I'm I'm the opposite. I can't help it. My expectations are always sky high. For me, because th- there's, you know, that's what I can control. But for other people too. And I will say very plainly, there are a lot of times when interactions, conversations, clearly dates, relationships don't meet those expectations and I am left with disappointment. But I can't change it. Some of my family and friends, they'll say to me, just lower your expectations. Now, can I keep my expectations at bay? Meaning, expect that things are not going to work out? Kind of expect (laughs) that the track record is going to be the same? Well, sure, that helps sometimes. But it only tricks me for so long. I am a girl that's full of expectations. I always am looking ahead, believing the best. Of me, of the people I care about, of my teams. Well, eh, not all my teams. But there are a lot of people in life that are good at keeping their expectations super low for the express purpose of not being disappointed. There are some people that won't even get in the arena because they don't want to fail. The, The disappointment is too great for them to bear. Now, these football players... They put hard soul, blood, sweat, and tears into a very long season that stretched back months now. And the higher the expectations, the greater the disappointment. The loftier the expectations and the aspirations, the harder the fall. And we're seeing two examples and then a great contrast. I mean, a, a real stark contrast between where the Jaguars and Giants are on this Tuesday morning versus where the Cowboys and the Bills are on this Tuesday morning and how they feel. And yes, emotions, they tend to ebb and flow. The immediate emotions of dejection, devastation, pain, all of these are ways to express incredible disappointment. Those emotions will... They'll wane. And when you play sports for a living, 
or even if you played college sports, you recognize you can't stew over a terrible loss or a dreaded disappointment because what does it do? It then impacts your ability to perform moving forward. So, yes, these guys are going to have to at some point shut the door. They've had to for the past two seasons in Buffalo's case specifically. With the Cowboys, whether you go, and I think you should, go back to before Mike McCarthy was hired, maybe even when Dak Prescott took over as quarterback, I'm not really sure. You Cowboys fans can determine how long you feel like this disappointment or the expectations have been high enough that the disappointment has been palpable. Not all disappointment is created equal. And that's where I am on this Tuesday morning. Not all disappointment is created equal. When you hear Josh Allen talk about the season coming to an end, when you hear Josh Allen talking about coming so close again, you can hear that pain, that agony right? The thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. You can hear the agony of defeat in his voice. There's a lot of love in this locker room uh, for each other. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm sick to my stomach. Um, I know a lot of guys in the locker room are as well. You know, we want to we wanna win a Super Bowl. And that's, that's our goal and that's our mindset every time we step out on, on the field and each and every year that'll, that'll never change. Um, and it sucks, you know, feeling like you're close and not being able to accomplish it. And I know it's been the last three years with a you know, very similar feeling. And we got to continue to, you know, push our push forward and, you know, find a way to get over this hump and um, you know, set out to accomplish what we want. Just so many emotions all at the same time. And then, you know, just a lot of disappointment, um, a lot of sadness. You know, you're not going to, the team will look completely different next year. Um, you know, you, there's always going to be a, couple teammates you might be closer to that might not be here um and just working all year for the same goal and then just coming up short again is very frustrating um but you know then again you learn a lot of things about yourself through times like this and um it's going to give us a lot of good uh things to build on and things to learn from moving forward so first josh allen and then dawson knox lost his brother during the season found some solace in football with his teammates. That franchise has been through a lot this year. Yes, Damar Hamlin, the couple of uh, huge snow events that claimed the lives of locals. Presumably they were Bills fans because everybody is. And yet you saw hope and help in the midst of all of this. The Bills always provide joy Well, I wouldn't say always. They provide a distraction. Very often they provide joy, at least in this iteration of the Bills under Sean McDermott with Josh Allen. And yet three times in a row, they have come up short. I would say the AFC Championship three seasons ago against the Chiefs, that was supposed to be the springboard. And now they've run into Chiefs, 13 seconds, overtime, and the Bengals on their own field. That disappointment is not the same as the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I don't need to tell you. You can hear it. Even as Trevor Lawrence talks about disappointment, there is hope and there is excitement. And he can't wait to get get started on next year. Just kind of that hunger that's left after coming up short. You know, I think everybody feels that and really excited moving forward. And that's like like we said after the game, what we said today is... Like we set a new standard and that's that's kind of we're not going to settle for anything less. And, And obviously there's more out there for us. 
So when Trevor Lawrence talks about the Jaguars' playoff run, winning the AFC South with what was a surge through the second half of the season, uh, catching the Titans, or actually passing the Titans, being the first-place team, but then winning that division title Saturday night under the lights, a primetime game, this is an opportunity that I don't want to say they weren't expecting. Yeah, it was a great goal, but how many people actually believed it when they rattled off five losses in a row? It was almost like they were starting over again. And yet, look where they ended up in the divisional round. Trevor Lawrence does not sound devastated. He doesn't sound sad. In fact, I bet he's not. You, you can't really fake that, right? Even though these two teams exited in the same exact place, not all disappointment is created equal. Now, we haven't heard from the Cowboys' exit interviews yet, other than we heard from Mike McCarthy on Monday. Uh, there's not there's a couple of leftovers from the game. Not really anything earth-shattering. We're going to hear from the players again at some point this week. And we know that Jerry Jones labeled their loss as sick. Well, labeled the fan base as sick. The team, sick. The family, the the Cowboys brain trust, feeling sick. Not sick as in a compliment, because these days, you know, some people use it as a compliment. <laughs> I have one girlfriend uh, who sounds like producer Jay. Every time I tell her something super cool, she's like, sick. Oh, my gosh. I have to hear it from you and from producer Jay. But (laughs) it's not actually sick. It's the opposite of sick. (laughs) It's a good word. (laughs) I mean, I've actually caught myself saying it a couple times. So you two are bad influences on me. The, The New York Giants are in the same space as the Jaguars. One ten games, if you can, if you include the the uh, first playoff win since their Super Bowl run in eleven, they're already focused on the future. Now, just in general, Brian Dayball is more businesslike, less emotional, unless he's spontaneously combusting on the sidelines. But when you get him in a press conference, he's more even keel, gruff. Actually, he tends toward the gruff. <laughs> Both he and Joe Shane. They're optimistic. They know what needs to be done, and they're already focused on doing it. That is not the case with the rival Giants in the NFC East or with the Bills. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I was talking about the Giants. Uh, this, is, this is where the wheels threaten to come off so violently. <laughs> it's not the case with the Cowboys, the rival Cowboys in the NFC East or with the Buffalo Bills. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. I mentioned this uh, before the top of the hour. We'll deb- we're double fisting it on our polls today. Uh, we've got not only your TD of the week, uh, which we couldn't do last week. There was no way anybody was going to beat Sam Hubbard. But also, how, how could we possibly be equitable and fair when there were six winners and we only had four spots in a Twitter poll? So we were going to – we just for, one, for once, I didn't want to deal with people yelling at me on social media. Uh, He's on my ass! Plus, how do you beat Sam Hubbard? It was the longest go-ahead touchdown in fourth quarter playoff history and also the longest fumble return for a touchdown in NFL postseason history. So take that. But we do have four winners this week, so conveniently it fits into a poll. So your dynamic divisional round left us with four Four contenders for a Super Bowl, and they had some pretty impressive moments along the way. A lot of you were answering our question of what impressed you the most, whether team or individual. Brock Purdy, a ton of votes. 
Uh, got a lot of votes for George Kittle, his teammate who caught that one-handed off his helmet juggling catch. Uh, we got a ton of responses for the Bengals as a team, but also for the Jaguars, for Trevor Lawrence and the way uh, that he's handled his business over the past couple of weeks. Trying to think of the others that were real lightning rods. Jalen Hurts, to be sure. Uh, the Eagles, a lot of votes for the Niners' defense, but also the Bengals' defense and the Bengals' offensive line that was missing three starters. Joe Burrow, absolutely. So, yeah, there was a, a mixed bag, but there were a lot of ways that we were impressed. Which touchdown, though, impressed you the most? Because that's our TD of the Week poll. And then we're asking you in poll form as well on Twitter, which team suffered the more disappointing end to their season. To be fair, and you know me, I, I try to give you all angles of every debate and every topic. There was one guy who was very optimistic, and this is his personality. He also didn't play in the games this weekend, and he wasn't out there on the field as the Bills were getting dominated by the Bengals on both sides of the ball. Von Miller, though, is trying to remind people that they are still a very good team and that the window is not closing. I came here to have multiple shots at winning the Super Bowl. I came here, you know, this wasn't my, I didn't feel like, you know, this would be my only shot, like this one year. I felt like I had multiple shots at the Super Bowl by the way this team was built, by, you know, our quarterback, our defense. I felt like I had, you know, multiple chances at the Super Bowl, and, and I still feel like that, man. And I'm super excited to for year two with the Buffalo Bills. I'm super excited to line back up and do it all over again. I'm super excited to get back to, to Rochester and go through <laughs> training camp and, you know, to be healthy again. So I'm, I'm super excited, man. And just because we lost to the, to the Bengals, it, it doesn't diminish the type of team that we have. It, do, it doesn't diminish, you know, our position in this league. Vaughn Miller, super excited. I am willing to bet most of what I'm worth, which isn't much, that he said super excited more in that one particular answer than Josh Allen has said in, say, 48 hours. Or that Von Miller said super excited more than the entire rest of the Bills active roster did yesterday. Because that's he's got tenacious optimism. It's one of the things I love about Von. The glass is always full. Forget half full. The glass is always full for Von Miller. He That's how he approaches life. And good for him because his teammates need that right now. But at the same time, he, he's the aberration, not the rule with the Bills at this particular moment. So take our poll. Whose exit was more disappointing? The loftier expectations, the Super Bowl aspirations. They leave you with a long, a precipitous drop. What did Brian Dayball call it? A crash landing. That's how it feels for the Cowboys and the Bills in these days after they bow out. So I think it's an interesting perspective. I'm a big study of human nature. A lot of times I focus more on the human element than I do on the X's and O's. Also, X's and O's are not as much fun on uh, a radio show because you can't diagram. Nobody's breaking down tape here in our studio. <laughs> uh, I do get caught in the weeds sometimes, and then I think, uh, I don't know if this is good radio. Here I am talking about a particular play, a route um, on in basketball, uh, you know, a call that's been made, an out-of-bounds play. Like, uh, golf, same thing, describing a putt. <laughs> Not necessarily good radio. So I love the human element anyway because ultimately that's what sports is all about, right? You can have analytics out your rear end. You can put analytics where the sun don't shine uh, until the you know until you got nothing but analytics. But human nature 
you can't always predict how it's going to go, especially not when it comes to teams. I mean, teams are not just, uh, you know, a bunch of individual human beings, but how do they operate together? And to me, that's always been fascinating. Now, coming up. Stats are for losers. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I wasn't going to go that far. Is that Kyle Shanahan? Who is that? Oh, that's Matt LaFleur. I completely forgot. Wow. Stunning little drop there from producer Jay. He thinks he's so funny. Sometimes he gets me and there's nothing I can do except for laugh. He's in there like a mad scientist with his buttons that he's pushing. You can only see the grin on his face right now. He's so proud. He's also, never mind, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you Uh-oh. what he did to me earlier when I was telling you about my bad date. And Jay's in there dropping these, like, funny audio clips. Out of support. Oh, really? Because that course. they were not supportive clips. They were they, supportive. No, you're so lying. I mean, we go back and listen to the podcast. They were not supportive. He was in there howling with laughter. No. Yeah. <gasps> well, I was laughing a little. Yes, it was funny, a little. But... You were definitely laughing. At least Marco was on my side and was like so angry on my behalf. <laughs> oh, I'm livid. Uh-huh. You look, you look livid. Okay, coming up, speaking of livid, I don't normally rant. That's not the kind of radio I do, but I am ready to rant over one particular failing. I know, I know, this is social media where truth is optional. You've got to be kidding me, though. J- just... Twitter, you've gone off the deep end. This is how I debunk you and all of your conspiracy theories. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Oh, I definitely saw it. You know, um, I had a smile on my face. Uh, You know, just seeing that he was able to make it to the game, uh, it was all good to see. Just his presence is, uh, is a warm feeling, and obviously we we wanted to play for him and um, continue our, our mission. And again, we just ran into a team that played better than us tonight. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. The voices of T. Higgins, Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver, and Josh Allen. Just two of the athletes who were in Orchard Park at the stadium on Sunday talking about DeMar Hamlin and what it meant to see him in person before the game. And then the reports were that DeMar was in the locker room with the Bills at halftime as well. There are no cameras in there, in case you're wondering. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. A few hours ago, when I got into work to start prepping for the show, I generally set up my computer, the laptop here, and one of the first websites I log into or open up is Twitter. I realized that DeMar Hamlin's name was trending, and I got really excited. I was thinking there was an update on his health because it's been a lot of good news lately. I know he still requires oxygen, um, but we, you know, we saw him on the big screen as well as there are videos, there are photos of him uh, in Orchard Park in Buffalo. His family was there, including his seven-year-old little brother who was sitting next to him in the suite. Uh, I know that when DeMar was shown on camera in the suite, uh, not only on TV, but they were doing it coinciding at the same time they were showing him in the stadium, the fans were going crazy. Um, and, And you've got eyewitness accounts of DeMar being there. Actually, a photo he took with a mural, a brand new mural uh, that has been painted uh, near the stadium. I'm not exactly sure where, but there's plenty of people who saw DeMar. And yet, 
when I clicked on his name, at the time there were 28,000 tweets about Damar Hamlin. You can imagine my surprise that it wasn't a new update on his health or even people responding to a tweet about him. No, it was people disseminating this conspiracy theory that it was a body double in Buffalo and that he's actually not okay. He can't leave his house. That wasn't him. And get this, taking it a step further, that the NFL trotted this body double out there, got his family, the Bengals, and the Bills to play along so that they would have higher ratings or so that they would have this moment where they can convince people this is such a great piece of the NFL season. Now, I've got a pretty long history with Twitter, so it's not a surprise that people can be awful. And, of course, truth is optional when it comes to Twitter and Facebook. But this, to me, was extra gross. And also, I think you really need to suspend any common sense to believe this conspiracy theory. And I'll tell you why. There's a few reasons that debunk it immediately. Number one, his family. Again, a seven-year-old brother? Are you kidding me? Seven-year-old brothers don't know how to fake it like that. Number two, there's no way his parents go along with this. Now, I don't know them personally, but their concern right now is for their son still as he recovers. There is no way his family would agree to this conspiracy to have their son used as a prop, essentially. Number two, do you remember the faces, the expressions, the tears, the fear, the anxiety, the devastation on his teammates' faces when he had to be resuscitated and suffered cardiac arrest and then was taken off the field in an ambulance? Do you remember what that looked like, how you felt, but also what they said about how they felt? His teammates were breaking down on the field. If you really believe there is even one Buffalo Bill player, or let's take it a step further, Sean McDermott, who was so devastated that he couldn't even fathom continuing a football game, he had to be with his athlete at the hospital. His childhood friend, Dane Jackson, who was also a college teammate. Do you really think for a second any of these Buffalo Bills would go along with faking DeMar Hamlin in the stadium? Not to mention they'd be lying to our faces. How many people not only talked about him being there and what a lift and encouragement it was, like Josh Allen that you heard to start the segment, but do you know there were photos too, right? Matt Milano shared a photo with Damar Hamlin. These guys have social media. Just go do some research for the love of God. For the love of Damar Hamlin, go do some research. And then I'll give you this last thing. Again, because this is a ridiculous conspiracy theory. And yet, by the time I checked a few minutes ago, 29,000 tweets. And it's not people debunking the conspiracy. It's the opposite. It's people with blue check marks and a ton of followers. Now, I get it these days. Anybody can be verified. But some of the people who are disseminating this conspiracy, maybe it's a game to them. But I'm stunned by this, that so many people would be duped by this idea that DeMar Hamlin wasn't actually there and the NFL was using this as a way to increase its ratings. One last thing I'll tell you. 
And if you know, if you don't believe anything else I say about the Bills locker room, the NFL, who would never recover from this, right? They would never recover from this. But think about Troy Vincent, some of the other former players that were also so devastated and scared to death when DeMar Hamlin had to receive CPR on the field for eight minutes, nine minutes. For two days, he wasn't awake. You really think Troy Vincent would go along with some kind of a a cockamamie stunt like this? Just for ratings? Come on. You may not believe in their integrity, but remember this. People don't keep secrets. We're talking about hundreds, over 100 people, maybe more. But if you consider the two locker rooms, Bills and Bengals, for them to all go along with it, you're talking about over a couple hundred people, plus the NFL, his family, you really think, even if you believe all of them would go along with it, You really think that nobody would leak that? Come on. This is 2023. Nobody keeps a secret. Why? Because it's too juicy for social. Nobody keeps a secret. But it's insulting to think that the Bills would actually go along with something like this. There's no way. All I'm asking is for you to use a little common sense, please. Now, people have responded to me, even as I've talked about this now on the show a couple times, people have responded to me with them, why haven't we seen him? Why was he wearing a mask? Why was the hoodie over his head? Why wasn't there a clear shot of him? Well, first of all, again, you haven't done your research because there are photos of DeMar with his teammates, as well as videos that come from different angles that are from the side in the suite. So just, you know, do a little more searching besides the conspiracy theory. DeMar's wearing a mask because he's immunocompromised. He's wearing a mask because his lungs are not completely healthy, because he suffered damage to his lungs. He has to receive daily oxygen. So, of course, he's wearing a mask. He cannot afford to get sick. It was probably a risk for him just to be there with 90,000 people. Security guards, elevator operators, sweet, would you call them waiter? No, not waiters, sweet attendants. Thank you, Jay. All these people saw him and his family. You don't think any of them, if it was a body double, would have said anything, would have popped the balloon, so to speak. He's wearing a hoodie because that's what 80% of 20-year-old males do. Heck, my nieces are not male. A lot of times they wear their hoodies up over the top of their heads. That's just what people do. Also, did you ever consider this might be really hard for him, emotional for him? Did you ever consider that maybe he doesn't want his face to be seen because he's got tears and he wants to be out there so badly and knows that his NFL career might be over? Any, ever, ever consider that? That this might be a super emotional, painful experience for him? He's trying to support his teammates and to be there because he knows it'll lift them up and encourage them, but how badly he wants to be playing. And knows that he may never do it again. I mean, come on, you guys. Don't fall for that. It's a word I can't say on the radio. Total crap. I don't rant very often. This is a chance where I just, I need you to use a little common sense and recognize that this is wrong. And people have nothing better to do a lot of times. Twitter is full of trash. So please believe the truth and start disseminating that on social media. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. 
It's a touchdown Tuesday on After Hours. Firing for the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Touchdown. Takes it himself to the pylon. Touchdown. One man to beat 10. He's gone. They throw in the end zone. Caught. Touchdown. Hey, the guy missed. He's inside the five. He's to the three to one. Top the feather salting into the end zone. Touchdown. To cast your vote for the TD of the week, head to at After Hours CBS on Twitter or give us a call at 855-212-4227. The Kansas City Chiefs. Tenth play of the drive, 20-17 Chiefs. 7.22 to go in the game. Mahomes, again, that right ankle is the one that's bothering him. That's in front of the left, feet staggered. McKinnon sprints in motion to the near flat. Mahomes now steps up in the pocket, throws late, wide open, back of the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. Marquez Valdez-Scantling on a six-yard touchdown. The Philadelphia Eagles. First and goal at the two. High snap. Give goes to Boston Scott. He pushes forward. He's in for the touchdown. The giant killer has another one. He just runs under everybody. <laughs> he's powerful. He's low to the ground. And he has the moves to get the ball into the end zone. The Cincinnati Bengals. Have we had a computer crash in there, Producer Jay? You should see the look of bewilderment on his face. What happened? The Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> First and goal, about that. an inch, maybe a half an inch away from the goal line. T. Higgins motions, lines up to the right, right next to the right tackle. Burrow hands it off. Mixon goes airborne. He's in. Waiting for the signal. Get in. The officials walking toward wow. the pile. Come on. No signal yet. Wow. <laughs> nope. He's short. They are not going to give it to Joe Mixon. Boy. So the Bengals have thrown the red challenge flag, and they'll see if on replay it's Cincinnati a one-yard touchdown. Cincinnati is challenging the ruling on Joe. the field. Replay challenge is successful. It's a one-yard touchdown run for Bam. Joe Mixon. The San Francisco 49ers. Ooh, that took a while. Tenth play of the drive. Six runs, three passes, two holds for Dallas, as you noted. And here we go. Looking to get in the end zone for the first time today. And take the lead back. Oscar, Oscar, Oscar. McCaffrey goes left. <laughs> Evo goes in motion. Oscar right. McCaffrey. 30 out of the shotgun. Kittle and Juszczyk are right. Ayuk uh, the other side. Hand off McCaffrey. Touchdown! San Francisco! <laughs> Hey, Jay, what's going on in there? How you doing? Not laughing anymore, huh? You were giggling up a storm about my bad date earlier, but now all of a sudden things got serious behind the double pane glass. Never laughing at you. Uh-huh. That, don't change the subject. What just happened? Why did why did we have to wait so long for the Cincinnati Bengals touchdown? My highlight, it's uh, hmm. mis- misplaced. You know, a, a good athlete never blames his equipment. A good artist never blames his tools. I guess I could have just audibly done the play-by-play myself, but it sounds better when Dan Horn and Dave Lapham do it. I mean, you could have had a backup plan. I'm just saying is all. (laughs) All right. Those are your your challengers. The four challengers step up to the plate. One from each winning team over Divisional Weekend. A little bit of a Divisional drop back, if you will. We're giving you four options, asking you to pick the TD of the week. Mitch Holtis on Chiefs Radio. Merrill Reese on Eagles Radio. Dan Horn, Dave Lapham, much delayed, but they were actually there on Bengals Radio. And Greg Papa on Niners Radio, along with 
Tim Ryan. Uh, and so we've got four options. And I actually love that we got a write-in vote for the Chad Henney touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey. That was critical for the Chiefs. It definitely settled down the team and kept the fans in it, even as uh, Patrick Mahomes was sent to his locker room without supper. No, he, he was given an ultimatum, which is what he said. Are you needing an update on Patrick Mahomes? Andy Reid, not Pat, but Andy addressing the media on Monday about his QB. He's uh, worked hard um, in the treatment and is doing okay. He told you guys, I mean, he, he mentioned it to you that he's going to play. So, I mean, that's, uh, um, that's his mindset. And, and then we'll just take it day by day and see how he does. I'm not coming out of a playoff game unless they take me out. And so uh, I'm just going to play. I, I love this, this sport too much. I love this game. Uh, I love playing with my teammates and being able to go out there and, and enjoy it together. And, we're, and we, we're, we prepare all year to be in the playoffs and to play in these games. And um, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to get back in the game. And, I mean, it's, it's something that uh, I just love competing in this sport. And uh, pain is pain. And you don't have to deal with it either way. <laughs> pain is pain. You're going to deal with it either way. You might as well be out there. I'm going to have to be hobbling on this high ankle sprain. Might as well be productive while <laughs> I'm dealing with it. That was Mahomes going back to Sunday. But he said, uh, well, Andy Reid said, Pat's already told you he's playing. So, you know, that's what he thinks, essentially. <laughs> I love that in their relationship, which is one of the most productive and also I would say one of the coolest odd couples in sports. Uh, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, that had to be a really tough decision for Andy. And yet, like a parent, like someone who cares more about the player than he does about the win, he did what was best for Pat. But you don't often see Pat in a bad mood on the sidelines, even when things don't go well. He's the he's the hype man on the sidelines with the Chiefs. Uh, he and Travis Kelsey, another reason why they get along so well. And so he threw his coat down and throws a Tom Brady-like tantrum, only it was his coat, not a tablet, so no one got hurt. The coat, I'm sure, survived the the incident. And he marches off to the locker room, but because Andy said to him, either go now or you're not going in the game again. Ooh, oh, Andy Reid. pulling the, <laughs> Pulling the power trip. Do you think after that he was like, okay, we'll get cheeseburgers after the game? <laughs> I mean, that would be hard for me. And I, I, I just felt like that was such a tough position for Andy because he loves Pat, but that, that had to be done. They had to know if it was a broken leg, similar to, to, to Tony Pollard, right? They we had, had a few know. cheeseburgers together. See what I'm saying? <laughs> it's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. So we don't necessarily know the future for Patrick Mahomes this weekend. I'm hoping he's able to play, but it is worth noting he's he's not going to be able to scramble the same way that he did in the first half before he got hurt. Uh, the, the pocket closed relatively quickly with the Jaguars' pressure, and he was trying to escape, move around, and that's a big chunk of his game. It's his ability to extend plays, elude pressure until he can find one of his receivers. A lot of times it's Kelsey open, and he can get you know, commit the ball downfield or a, a, a chasm opens up and he's able to run. Uh, it's also, I think, notable that he did not throw a pass outside the pocket after he got hurt. So the pocket was crumbling. O-line needs to take real pride in protecting their QB. They were picking him up a bunch. He never did throw another pass outside the pocket, meaning he wasn't extending plays, eluding the pressure to the point where he could still throw. He was just kind of moving around in the pocket as best he could. 
But as I told some of my fourth grade boys who asked me about it on Sunday at church, 85% of Patrick Mahomes, 80% of Patrick Mahomes is still better than pretty much anything else. Though, yeah, Chad Henney is, is also a viable piece of the offense. It's After Hours, CBS Sports Radio. Can't know the future for the AFC Championship. Can't know the future for Tom Brady. In fact, you really can't even ask him right now. Jim, if I knew what I was going to fucking do, I'd have already fucking done it. Oh. Okay, I'm taking it a day at a time. <laughs> I sense you're antagonized by the question. <laughs> you're scratching. It's only like the question scratching. that everybody wants to hear. You're scratchy. <laughs> I appreciate your asking. Thank you. I love that Jim Gray refuses to get upset. He's not going to get offended. I mean, he and Tom have a friendship that goes way back. But how great is that? That that uh, Jim's like, hmm, did I touch a nerve? I sense you're antagonized <laughs> by the question. <laughs> Good for you, Jim Gray. Also, Tom Brady, who are you scaring? No one's intimidated by you. You're a 45-year-old man that has cinder blocks for feet. Nobody is afraid years old, of you. Man. There's a lot of going on. <laughs> Do you think he feels tougher when he drops F-bombs? Yeah. Yes. I mean, it is kind of funny. And also, whoever did the, the job of bleeping, I, I won't share his name. There's no need to get him in trouble. He didn't do a, a thorough job. Can we hear it again just for fun? It makes, it makes me think Tom Brady's tough for like a nanosecond. Jim, if I knew what I was going to fucking do, I'd have already <laughs> done it. Oh, wait, what word was that? <laughs> Jim, if I knew what I was going to fucking do, I'd have already done it. He talks to him like you would talk to like a brother or sister are you freaking kidding me? Stop asking me this question. Jim. <laughs> Jim, if I knew what I was going to fucking do, I'd have already done it. Okay, I got you. Now that's going to be in my head all day long. Jim is not intimidated. Good for you, Jim Gray. Who do you think you are? Tom Brady or something? It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. Like I said, not all disappointment is created equal. And even as we talked about the Bills, the Cowboys were asking you, who suffered the more disappointing end to their season? I mean, Tom Brady it was a, a round ahead of that. But, yeah, you can hear the disappointment still very much present in his voice when he's not dropping F-bombs. You do think about it, you know, because you wanted it to be different. And when I look at our season, we didn't earn it. You know, we just didn't earn it for a number of different reasons. And everyone's got different opinions. And, you know, there's different learnings for everyone, whether you're a first-year player, a 23rd-year player, whether you're an older coach or a younger coach. You know, hopefully you always take something out of it. You know, if you didn't, you would always end up in the same place. And no one wants to end up in the same place. Everyone wants to continue to achieve, to improve and get better. There's disappointment everywhere. Now, Josh didn't know, and, and Brady does too, that 31 teams end up disappointment, uh, end up disappointing. Disappointed. <laughs> You know what I mean. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> like, you've never said that before. I know. I'm the one who talks for a living. Uh, all the teams end up in this space except for the winner. But not every disappointment is created equal. The Jags have no reason to be disappointed. I don't even think the Giants. It was embarrassing against the Eagles, to be sure. But I don't think they have a reason to be disappointed either. Uh, you've got some great stories. Some good uh, fresh blood, some good seasons to build on. But then you've got the opposite, the Bills and Cowboys who believed they were Super Bowl ready. So we'll hear more as we get close to the championship game about the four teams that are still remaining. Uh, I did want to pass this along because I promised you an update. Uh, Jessica Pagula, 
was out, is out in straight sets. So she does not reach the Australian Open semifinals. She ran into a very tough Victoria Azarenka and was out uh, 6-4 in the first set. And then it looks like 6-1 in the second I think it's 6-1. We were not unable to watch it. I thought it would be on broadcast TV, but unfortunately it was on a, a streaming service, a plus service, so we weren't able to see it. But let me just update the scores one more time. Uh, yeah, she lost 6-4-6-1. So Pagula, she's reached three consecutive quarterfinals there at the Australian Open, but will not advance to the semis for the first time down under. Uh, later on, Tuesday night, actually, Eastern time, it's 10.30. A pair of Americans face each other for a shot uh, to get to the semifinals of the Australian Open. So USA, USA. Have a great Tuesday. Trounce your Tuesday, baby. It's After Hours, CBS Sports Radio.